This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, hey everyone and welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, the podcast that's kind of like uh, my usual lunch. I, I've forgotten to make a food pun and I'm going to have to scramble and do something last minute. Uh, it, we're a podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies bring you bite-sized chunks of Australian politics and news and memes. My name is Noon and with me is my co-host. Hey, what's up? Zach Snack. Uh, we actually do have some memes on the show this week. Which yeah, is... several I saw in the notes. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, How you doing, Noon? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, you know, we're in lockdown, which is fine for me. Um, but you know, there is just sort of a general sense of like resentment and uh, you know lockdown vibes. Yeah, I think people are becoming more and more keen to. Uh, blame someone <laughs> these days like mm-hmm. i feel like there was i don't know in the, in the original long victorian lockdown we're both in melbourne if you don't know listeners it was a bit like okay well i guess kind of, it has to happen because the outbreak's mm-hmm. really bad and at this point it's like are you fucking kidding me like you you haven't sorted this shit out yet yeah yeah well we'll get to that in a bit more detail but before we get into the news i want to shout out our many new patrons from the last couple of weeks uh tom and tom and morgan and rosie and Haley. thank you all so much for supporting the show um if you don't know listeners if you sign up to our patreon for one dollar a month you get a bonus episode each month and you get some other cool stuff if you sign up for more amounts so uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash ospol snack pod and give us some cash and also um big shout outs to april and tilda who are already patrons and who have increased their pledge so thank you very much to you two as well yes to thirteen dollars and twelve cents and six dollars and ninety cents a cab respectively nice respectively yeah. yeah uh cool all right when we get into it zach what do we have for entree entree i thought that we would catch up with the shenanigans of harvey norman the absolute best place to watch Madagascar 2 on 20 screens simultaneously, uh, if that's your thing. Uh, So I don't even know if you can do that anymore. That's a joke from like (laughs) the last time I went to Harvey Norman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But anyway, Harvey Norman has been kind of going through it lately. Um, And by going through it, I mean posting enormous profits, pocketing government money, and giving everyone the finger while doing so. Um, Mm. So yeah, I thought I'd do a little bit of just, you know, let's, let's... Let's catch up on what they've been up to for the mm-hmm. last couple of months. So listeners probably remember JobKeeper uh, because there's a roughly one in 20 chance that they received it at some point. Mm-hmm. And um, fun little behind the scenes fact, we have more than 20 listeners. So I'd say there's a fairly high a chance that there's at least one JobKeeper recipient uh, who is the girl listening to this. So uh, <laughs> that listener probably uh, noticed when JobKeeper ended in March and maybe the form that that noticing took was not having a job anymore potentially uh, but so you know i'm sure everybody remembers but it's a government payment that was for struggling businesses to so they could keep paying employees mm-hmm. throughout the covid recession we've discussed how it's a fucked way to do welfare um mm-hmm. giving it to businesses rather than to people and yep. it's specifically designed to leave out unemployed people um and the idea was that once businesses started making profits again 
that they were then paid back to the government. Right. Um, which is obviously a plan that could have no possible negative outcomes. So Harvey Norman uh, received $22 million in JobKeeper. It's not bad. The thing is that they're not, not bad at all, um, especially considering that they were not really a struggling business. Mm. Their sales actually increased during mm-hmm. the pandemic. They doubled their profits to $462 wow. million. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Harvey, who people may or may not know, is the founder and I think the like chief executive or something. You know, he's you know he's the he's, face of the business. He's, he's the guy. He's the yeah. guy. He is Harvey Norman. Uh, he himself, uh, who, and he's worth about uh, two billion dollars. Sure. Uh, he personally got seventy-eight million dollars of that uh, nice chunk of profit that they made uh, during the pandemic. So. Cool. Now they've made those healthy profits. Uh, you know, they've gotten through the pandemic fairly unscathed financially, mm-hmm. or actually the opposite of, the opposite of unscathed. Yeah. Um, they've reduced their scathing. Mm-hmm. So they can pay that money uh, right back to the government, right? Great. Great. Except, no, <laughs> of course well, not. Of course they're not uh, going to. Yeah. <laughs> Why would they? <laughs> well, do you think they post multi million dollar profits by doing Handing dumb shit back like that? Government money? No. <laughs> No, they're keeping that JobKeeper money, and the government apparently can't really do anything about it, as far as I can tell. Fabulous. Um, yes, and there's no possible way that anyone could have predicted this. Um, but, like, you know, for Harvey Norman, I mean, that's really just good. That's just good practice. Yeah, yeah. Someone deserves a $78 million bonus for that. <laughs> yeah, they're making money hand over fist. That's just good business instinct, or as I like to call it. Binstinct, but um, th- this isn't really that recent a story. You like sure. that one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, I love this a portmanteau is... and bins. <laughs> um, it's not that recent a story. It's a, it, like this news is kind of from back in like February. Sure. But they have, Harvey Norman has been in the news over the past week for other reasons, uh, namely opposing an increase to the minimum wage. So of course they're part of Great. the NRA that um. <laughs> Like the notoriously bloodthirsty and callous organization, the National Retailers Association. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um, of course. Also responsible for many mass shootings. Yeah. So the NRA made. For legal purposes, that's a joke. That's definitely a joke. The NRA made a submission to the Fair Work Commission saying that minimum wage increases should be capped at the inflation rate, so there should be no actual rise in pay. Uh, Probably important to note that. Many Harvey Norman employees receive roughly minimum wage. Of course, yeah. Um, which again, that, that's just good business business instinct. That's just so Jerry Harvey's. He's, he's, he's got that killer instinct. Um, so the ACTU, uh, which is the big you know collection peak peak union, I guess for all the other unions, is currently campaigning for a rise in the minimum wage of sixty nine cents an hour, which is like. 25 bucks a week for a full-time work week okay um and uh because harvey norman had already made itself like the public mascot for being like a greedy fuckhead corporation with all this not giving back job seeker the actu decided to make them the public target of their campaign so they've been setting up a bunch of protests outside harvey norman stores and encouraging people to boycott them uh so the boycott harvey norman hashtag takes off and Harvey Norman starts to catch heat on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And this is where the kind of uh, fun drama 
Great. involving Harvey Norman begins this week. So the Harvey Norman Twitter account bio says, Twitter is no longer a customer service channel and is unmanned. Uh, but then uh, when this hashtag started trending, the account started to go on a mysterious blocking spree, blocking everybody who criticized them and also like Adam Bant and like okay. other kind of high profile that'll show ish people yeah it was very weird were they also um, like flaming people yes yeah, so the drama really kicked off with their response to this tweet from at sissy physical on um on twitter they they said lol at harvey norman au blocking people for talking about the wage strikes right. working for your godforsaken company drove me to suicide in six months to the 50 people pay $200,000 a year to manage one account, go fuck yourselves. I know you do. That Sydney conference is a fucking mess. And Harvey <laughs> Norman, the Harvey Norman official wow. Twitter account's response to that is two emojis, one of a face palm and another of a hand waving to, in response to somebody who'd been like, hey, you working me. for you made me suicidal. Yeah. Cool. Um, That's a great yeah, appropriate the- response. Yes, yes. So that account, the, the official Harvey Norman Twitter account, has since been deleted. Uh, RIP. Um, so they're doing such definitely... good outreach work in the community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How did this happen? Yeah, what the, I, th- I looked up while I was researching this. I can't remember where it was. Maybe it was the Guardian article on it, and they mm-hmm. had an interview with um, like a corporate social media expert Great. Uh, or something of something to that effect. And the person was like, yeah, like it's actually pretty easy to be good on Twitter for a company. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all you have to do is just basically not this. <laughs> just like um, post about anything that isn't seriously making fun of your. Look how many screens on which boys. we can play Madagascar two simultaneously. Like, that's boom. that's a quality tweet. Classic tweet. Uh, hi, anyone wants to hire the snack pod boys? We have a, a you know. Uh, We've got a 200k business gap in our fucking budget right Revenue. now, which yeah. you would very snugly fit into. So yeah, it's, it does seem like there's a bunch of greased up Sydney siders behind this account, um, and I don't know what the fuck they're going to do with their time now. But uh, I would argue that their style is very much in Jerry Harvey's spirit. So, right, I, that uh, was what I was going to say, is like, oh, an account that's been off for ages suddenly starts tweeting, is it Jerry tempting- Harvey? It's yeah. very, very tempting to believe that it's Harvey. Unfortunately, I have no evidence in favor of that theory, but sure. I can say that it definitely is reflective of his attitude uh-huh. towards business, which is clearly filtered down to the rest of the company, and as proof, and also as a little button on this segment, <laughs> I'm going to play a little Harvey Norman ad from 1983. Cool. Enjoy. The man who started Norman Ross and got the sack when it got taken over starts all over again. You know, I started this business 21 years ago. I owned the whole thing. Then Morton's go and buy it. I suppose that's okay. Then John Morton gives me the sack. Me, the guy who started it all. So now I'm back where I started, starting a shop. Mind you, it isn't a small shop. In fact, it's probably the biggest in Sydney and it's right opposite John L. We're going to open seven days a week and we're going to give all their prices a pizzling. 
mainly because we don't keep wasting our money taking over other people's businesses. How do you think Alan Bond and John Walton will like this? We reckon our electrical showroom is bigger and better than theirs, and the same goes for our carpet, furniture and home renovation displays. Bigger trading hours and lower prices guaranteed. Why don't you come and have a look? Maybe you shouldn't have sacked me after all. Or maybe you should buy this place too. Harvey and Norman starting all over again, seven days a week, Parramatta Road, Auburn. Wow. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if things were different back in 1980-whatever when that ad was made, and if people who went shopping at department stores were intimately involved in the, like, lives of the people who founded those stores. Like... Was everyone like, oh, yes, Maya, I know what he's up to, or what? Like, because uh, mm. I don't think being like, you know, if you're like, well, Kmart fired me as their regional manager, and they'll see what a mistake it is when Paul, whatever, like, <laughs> like, that's not a, <laughs> what kind of. Oh, you might do that if you were an enormous egotistical wanker. Extremely petty and had enough money to start a huge yeah. business to spite your former boss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I'm telling you, Noon, it's been sticked. All right. Uh, right. You all know now what it's time for, unfortunately. Hey, man, I got some more beers. Oh, uh, I don't know if I can drink anymore. I'm feeling kind of sick. No, come on. We're having another round of Coronas. It's one of my It's got to be sings. our most appropriate sting. Well, yeah. it's, the, it's, the, it's the one I hate the most, which makes it so perfect, especially mm. at this point where it's like, Please no. Please stop I'm feeding kind me of beers, as it were. I really yeah. don't want another round of Coronas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> I, uh, but here we are, noon. I pitched that <laughs> a year and a half ago, and uh, it's it's doing its duty. All right. Um, yeah. So Melbourne has gone into a, a two week lockdown. I mean, it was a one week lockdown. It's been extended, but we didn't do a normal episode last week, so it's two week lockdown um, because there's been a bunch <laughs> of cases and exposure sites all over Melbourne, um, and. Up until now, um, the outbreak has been of the Kappa variant of the COVID virus, but now there have been, just in the last couple of days, cases found with the Delta variant, which is sometimes called the Indian variant, but I'm not going to use that term for it again. But listeners, if you hear people use that phrase, you can translate Delta variant. Um, and so this is a problem because we it, it means there's almost certainly been a hotel quarantine outbreak that hasn't been identified yet um, because we've been following uh, is- this... To help the listeners out, is that good or bad? Bad. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. the right. you know, it's the segment for, like, there's no good news. I'm going to do a good news story in a bit. A positivity corner is bad. But, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, the uh, Department of Health has said that this doesn't mean the lockdown is going to get longer. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Cool. Um, oh, great. Yeah. And, yeah, as I said up top, I just wanted to say, you know, I think a lot of people are going through the ringer at the moment, and I hope you're all managing okay. And, you know, yeah. much love from us here at SnackPod. Um, people who are finding it horrible. I'm having a great time. Um, but, uh, yeah, sympathy for those who aren't. <laughs> um, also in corona news is that the federal government has very reluctantly issued a new disaster payment, um, which is for Victorians with jobs who have lost income because of this lockdown. 
Um, and as you said, Zach, they've absolutely refused to extend or restart JobKeeper for some reason that's not clear to me. Um, but according to the ABC, they understands this. Uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison does not want to establish any incentives for the states and territories to lock down in response to COVID-19 outbreaks, which is just insane on so many wow. levels. Sorry, I shouldn't use that wow. It's just like such poor decision making or reason like no like even it's with very classic conservative logic though i mean that's exactly the same logic as not wanting to have welfare be at a livable level exactly above the poverty yes. line you don't yes. want to incentivize people by allowing them to exist totally yeah <laughs> um but also just like what fucking fictional world does he live in where they're weak job keeper payment is going to be better for the state's economy than not having a lockdown <laughs> not to mention like popularity of the politicians or whatever as you said people are getting mad we don't want to be in lockdown like there's no fucking way daniel andrews wants to extend a lockdown it's the last thing he wants but like no it, it's just ridiculous anyway so um the payment size depends on if you're working more or less than 20 hours a week uh, you also have to have less than $10,000 in liquid assets, which is sort of a weird condition. But the truly fucked thing is that you, if you receive any kind of government assistance, you are not eligible for this disaster payment. Yeah. So any kind of settling, job seeker, disability support, aged pension, um, absolutely cooked. And there's a quote from uh, Peter Whiteford in the in the conversation. Virtually by definition, people receiving income support are the poorest in the community. Our income support system has also been designed to encourage people in this situation to work part-time to supplement their very low payments, which are some of the lowest among developed nations in the OECD. Um, which is exactly what you said, Zach, is like they deliberately make welfare unlivable so that people have to go and get jobs, and now they're punishing them for having jobs and welfare right like it's just ridiculous yeah. and and this article from peter whiteford goes on to show that somewhere between a quarter and a third of welfare recipients have other incomes and more in the case of parental assistance payments specifically mm. so it's just like oh single mums especially fuck you you know like just just so fucking totally useless yeah these people all right well why don't we move on to a very brief negativity corner positivity Sorry, I don't have a negativity. <laughs> no, no, that's it's fine. the only it, one I can deploy. I'm being cynical. It, it is actually a good thing, um, which is that the the federal and Victorian governments have agreed to build a dedicated quarantine facility. Fucking finally, instead of relying on the hotels, which have been essentially the cause of every single outbreak and case that we have had since the very beginning of the pandemic. Yes, um, excellent. So, yeah, Memorandum of Understanding has been signed. Um, now they're negotiating over which site it's going to be built on. Uh, the federal government wants it near Avalon Airport, which seems sensible enough to me, not that I really know. Um, and the Victorian government has other preferred sites. I don't know why they might be better or worse, but, like, I don't think it matters that much. Uh, and they actually already have the, like, architectural plans built up, which is interesting. Um, and so there's, you know, you could look up the details of that if you want. It's like... Right. Sorry, is bunch- this... Is it going to go? It's like it's going to be in Victoria for sure. Yes. So, and that, is that going to be like a national quarantine? I think it's going to be a Victorian one. Okay. But it might end up that we'll like divert flights from Sydney to Melbourne for people to quarantine, or so, like I'm, I'm not a hundred percent about that. But it's okay. Okay. Basically, it's like Victoria keeps having outbreaks. Let's put it in Victoria. Yeah. But like, I mean, we got the last one from they... South Australia, so like, uh. yeah. I mean. Like, there should be purpose-built ones everywhere. Yes, and, and there should have been long before the pandemic because we've yes. had fucking Zika and, like, 
other pandemics like SARS well, and MERS. Well, you don't want to incentivize people to get sick by having a build. place for them to quarantine. <laughs> That's such a good point, so Zach. It yeah, makes yeah. sense. It makes sense. Yeah. The government likes building jail-like facilities. Why, yeah, don't, why are they keen on this? No, because like, <laughs> develop, there, I, there's not developer money in this. You know, it's not... It's not Barangaroo money. They it's not will for sure absolutely money. rent Someone's out make some this facility to jails or hospitals or schools once they've finished, like once the pandemic is over. Anyway, that's it. Uh, sure, sure. Let's 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 finish that story. It's no, it doesn't have the glitz and glamour, you know. It looks kind of cool. I would like of to like live there. <laughs> a thirty percent occupied building in Docklands, for example. Yeah, yeah. Which really <laughs> looks good on a developer's resume. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> Uh, right, now it's next? time for Shitpost of the Week That's right, and this week's Shitpost of the Week goes to Ospol Shitposter Extraordinaire Jimmy, thank you very much woo, woo, for woo. this um, for this submission which draws on a, a number of different elements including yeah. a shitpost previously created by Jimmy yeah, nice. incorporated into a new format so we've got here, headline from The Guardian Federal Court Rejects It Challenge to Australia's outbound travel ban. Subtitle, right-wing think tank Liberty Works fails in bid to overturn the COVID restriction and must pay costs. And the meme is the, uh, are you winning, son? Uh-huh. Except the dad is Clive Palmer. Yes. And uh, the son is a jar of pickled sausages sweating and tugging his collar. Now, I can't remember... It's pretty deep. It, it is. So it's, it's a- that's... You know, obviously, the, I can't remember what Jimmy title is. It was like Pickle Boys Lose or something like that. Yes. <laughs> so, Snack Pods, sna- the Snack Pack will know uh, that we refer to members of the uh, the esteemed think tank, the Institute of Public Affairs, as wet little pickle boys, uh, fresh from because the jar. they look like pickled sausages and they act they like do. pickled sausages. Exactly. Uh, they smell, taste, and feel like pickled, uh, pickled sausages. So... Um, so I think yeah, Jimmy made this initial p- picture of the of the pickle boy uh, some time ago, and, <laughs> yeah. his, and Jimmy has and and they've uh, de- redeployed it excellently here. Yes. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> um, as you say, fairly deep, few layers here. So yeah, Liberty Works has to pay costs here. It's the fourth failed attempt to overturn Health Minister Greg Hunt's COVID powers, which are granted <laughs> under the Biosecurity Act. Um, Clive is obviously one of the other uh, failed attempts yeah. uh, with that whole Hence thing. Him, between are you winning, son? Exactly, him yeah. and, and Western Australia. Uh, the other more, more recent failure was about the India travel ban. Right. So, you know, there are uh, better and worse ways to be <laughs> trying to overturn this. Um, and uh, so, I was, and, and I feel kind of ambivalent about it, right? You know, I, I, I've sure. expressed before I feel like pretty uncomfortable about hard border stuff in general. Yep. Like, you know, I understand that with health stuff that there's things to other, you know, things to take into the into account here. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. I feel a bit weird about it. So I was like, I'm going to look into these Liberty Works guys and see what's going right. on here. Great. Because the other thing was I'd never heard of them before, and Jimmy's calling them Pickle Boys, sure. and I'm like, okay, well. Are we're they pickle, pickle boy followers. Let's. We need. We need to find. Are they? Are they Liberty Works pickle boys? Let's. Let's look into it. I'm let's open up the jar. I, I, having only read this subheading about them, I think I'm gonna go firmly in the at least pickle boys. If not, you know, you're gonna turn out to have 
found some deeper, even more <laughs> disgusting pickle. You know, herring, herring boys. <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to give any spoilers, but uh, yes. <laughs> um, so, and I also love it when... Um, like names of people like Liberty Works are, are used in headlines as if you're supposed to know who they of are. Course. I was like, really? Like, <laughs> do do people know who Liberty Works are? So anyway, I didn't. I don't think you did, Noon. No. So I did a little bit of digging, and Fabulous. it was um, predictably uh, pretty funny at times. So Liberty Works are libertarians, and here's the description of them from their website. Liberty Works is a non-profit do-tank that invests in people, <laughs> projects, and causes that expand liberty. <laughs> we invite you to support us in this important work. We support free speech, the preservation of natural rights for all citizens, access to a just legal system, and free markets as the bedrock of a moral and prosperous society. Um, so, <laughs> do tank is an all-timer. I mean, that's... Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I'm licking the pickle juice straight <laughs> off my fingers. So, or, or they're also <laughs> they're like, but okay, they're a do tank. So, what do they do tank? Sure. They, so, one of the things that they <laughs> do tank is organize Liberty Fest. So, <laughs> sorry, I was just thinking that's how you fucking tagline Osball Snack Bun a do tank, progressive do tank, progressive do tank. <laughs> Be completely incomprehensible. <laughs> if we just wore suits and ties, that would make everyone well, be like, it. "Oh yeah, a do tank, of course." I like, Liberty Works again. It's it's like the you know when we were looking into um, uh, fucking Craig Kelly's yeah. like you know oh he he his like uh, peak body or representative body for <laughs> yeah. Sydney retail, and it's like it's you and a secretary, bro. Like and that Liberty Fest has this. Uh, so Liberty, Liberty Works. Works has the same vibe of it being like short a staff of maybe like five people but warren mundine is on the board which is a board of two people Classic. but anyway yeah. it's not an employee that's different anyway i'm sorry i keep so, interrupting you no that's that. fine please please, go on. Yeah. please do um so one of the things that liberty works organizes is liberty fest from the liberty fest website liberty fest is for everyone who believes that our basic freedoms are under threat from authoritarians and big government Liberty Fest conferences are full of genuinely dangerous and disruptive ideas, with perhaps the most disruptive idea in the world being that, quote, all men, and then in brackets, and women, are born equal. <laughs> Which uh, I loved. I absolutely wow. I loved. I just absolutely loved. Um, Gosh. Interestingly, Liberty Fest 2020 was shut down. Okay. And I'm going to read another quote from their website. Whilst we are very disappointed that we are unable to showcase the speeches, ideas, and event preparation, we are in no doubt this is the most responsible course of action, considering the potential health implications for conference attendees and the community. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed, actually, honestly, that they said that. Like, I, We don't want to be personally liable for anybody getting coronavirus, but we But we will... do want to stop the government from stopping people getting coronavirus. Yeah, very, very consistent pick boy stuff. Uh, the other thing that Liberty Works does is they organize CPAC Australia. So that's oh, the no. Conservative Political Action Conference. Yeah, which is a famous uh, and horrible conservative conference from the US, which is fun funded by some of the absolute like worst bastards in existence, including the Koch brothers or <laughs> the one surviving Koch brother. 
um, the, C- go on. the other thing about CPAC is that they, like, I know it's re- like everyone, including me, calls people they don't like Nazis and white supremacists a lot. But <laughs> I do try to be, like, somewhat We try to deploy about it. with, yeah, some like, level of... Uh, accuracy. D- yeah, discretion? <laughs> yeah, I discretion, guess. sure. Yeah, some and discretion. Like, uh, <laughs> A lot of people are white supremacists, you know, it just comes up a lot. But, uh, but like, is, CPAC yeah. uh, have, like, very close ties with very literal Nazis and very literal white supremacists, like Richard Spencer yes. and um, that other fucking guy who got fired from the Trump house. What's his name? Um, Bannon? Uh, yeah, Steve Bannon and, like, those sorts of people. Like, like full-on explicit white ethno-nationalists. Um yeah. Yeah, CPAC Australia featured uh, Tony Abbott, Mark Leatham, and Nigel Farage. So you know, and worse, right. and worse, and worse. And yeah, like, that's right. <laughs> Those are the mainstream conservatives. You know, or well, yeah. Nigel Farage is. You know, anyway, well, yes, and Leatham sorry, is. Just, you know, and look, <laughs> Tony Abbott. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> no, right. Like, it was they're like, all, it was they're like all really Elizabeth bad. On uh, in that clip that we played last week, uh, you know, Tony Abbott's the right of the right of the right of the Liberal Party. Exactly. But like, so, even then. No, no, I'm saying, like, their headliners are the absolute most far-right you can get while still holding elected office. Yes. Yeah. And then they have people further to the right to the of right. that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a fun little thing from the website. Uh, actually, no, I think this was from a Guardian article um, about it. Which, okay. uh, tickets for the three-day event range from $599 for a Reagan VIP pass, <laughs> which gives the attendees <laughs> access to a speaker's room and VIP lunches, an Iron Lady General Pass for $349, oh. and a Menzies three-day pass, $149. Um, uh. <laughs> yeah. So, that, I mean, that really gives you, you know, I think we're, we can pretty definitively say, you know, we're getting into deep pickled territory. We're down the yeah. bottom of the jar here. So, but, you know, the other thing to note about Liberty Works, like, all of these, you know, libertarian, far-right, think tank bullshit organizations yep. it's just a fucking grift like yep. the, the only the the biggest button that you see as soon as you hit the liberty works uh front page of their website is is a big button labeled invest uh and also a fun detail if you click that there's a little questionnaire asking you like why you're donating and stuff and one of yeah. the questions is what do you see as the greatest threat to liberty in australia is very funny. I love the um, reactionary, like explicitly reactionary way that they frame their ideology. It's not even like mm. we believe in freedom and we want to create freedom. It's like we want to fight against people who are destroying our freedom. And like, hey, could do you have any yeah. suggestions of something we could invent that's threatening our freedom so that we can keep <laughs> doing our thing? So, yeah. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Uh, and I also I didn't look too deeply into this because um, it started to get boring. But yep. the head of Liberty Works is a guy called Andrew Cooper, and he fled to the U.S. I think it was in 2018 to avoid being charged by the AFP for not providing documents detailing his relationship to the American Conservative Union, which is the political lobbying group that runs CPAC in the U.S. Uh, and again, we're talking about the absolute worst bastards on the face of the earth. Um, so, and this is basically over like, f- it's like foreign interference laws, I think, about whether or not uh, right, right. Yeah, like Cooper like would have to register of... as like a foreign agent or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, like I say, I didn't look into it too deeply because it started to get boring. Um, but That's yeah, he was also once the uh, president of the Liberal Democrats. 
doesn't seem to be anymore, as far as I can tell. So obviously, big free market yeah, yeah. owner guy. Um, and I don't know where he is now. Uh, it's quite hard to Google, and most Google results for his name are for appearances on the ABC, specifically on the drum, which <laughs> was pretty funny. So overall, I feel ambivalent about Greg Hunt's like iron border powers. I, you know, I don't have a super strong opinion on the one way or the other. Sure. Uh, one way or the other. But I love it when pickle boys lose. And these Liberty Works fuckheads are undeniably sopping wet little pickle babies. Um, so Great. thank you, Jimmy, for the excellent meme. Thanks, Jimmy, for the meme. Thanks, Zach, for that surprisingly informative meme unpacking. That's great. I always <laughs> love to discover new brands of pickle that I can avoid buying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to move on to our next segment. You fucked up. Okay, so um, this is about Christian Porter. So content warning, it's about Christian Porter, but there's nothing graphic or anything. I'm just going to talk about him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so listeners will probably know he was suing the ABC and specifically their journa- journalist Louise Milligan for defamation uh, about an article that indirectly talked about the like stuff that he's been accused of. Um, he has officially withdrawn his case uh, and is claiming it a big win. Everyone else is pointing out that it's clearly a total retreat that he has given up on it. Um, Perhaps the opposite of a win. Yeah. Maybe he's just silently saying opposite of every time he says, this was the (laughs) win that I was looking for. Um, uh, But yeah, so the ABC hasn't been made to pay damages or costs. Uh, I don't know if probably many listeners do know, but damages is... um, like, the judge being like, hey, the ABC, you ruined Christian Porter's life. Pay him money for the damage that you caused, right? So they haven't been made to pay that. And then costs is, like, legal costs. So they're, they're being like, look, ABC, this court case was your fault, so you have to pay for Christian Porter's, like, legal expenses in bringing it. So they haven't been made to pay either of those. Um, they also haven't retracted the article, and they haven't apologized for writing it or what they said. Um, they have paid... No, but no, they did. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, so so th- they have done two things, which Christian Porter is using to claim that this is a win for him. One is they yes. paid the costs of mediation, right? So the ABC and Christian Porter had meetings before going to court, and the ABC has paid the cost of those meetings. But they weren't... I don't think they were ordered to. I think it was just, like, always their bill on some level. I don't I don't think, like, <laughs> right. I don't think that was ever in dispute that they were going to pay for it. Maybe if, like, gotcha. I don't know, yeah. Um, I'm sure a, a legal listener will be able to correct that, but I, I think that's about right. Um, yeah, so they, the other thing that ABC has done is added a brief statement to the article that he was suing over. So I'll, I'll just read that aloud. Although he was not named, the article was about the Attorney General Christian Porter. The ABC did not intend to suggest that Mr. Porter had committed the criminal offences alleged. The ABC did not contend that the serious accusations could be substantiated to the applicable legal standard, criminal or civil. However, both parties accept that some readers misinterpreted the article as an accusation of guilt against Mr. Porter. That reading, which was not intended by the ABC, is regretted. So yeah, again, uh, Porter is claiming Vicious, that that's them backing stuff. down. Oh, Man. Full retraction. Oh, just Apologies. the most craven. 
forehead um, scraping the pavement apology from the how are they ever going to recover from that's this? right i mean I, i'm pretty sure louise milligan i don't know i should have got screen caps but she's been like busy on twitter um basically being like <laughs> he did not win and if he wants to sue me for defamation saying he's lying that he won he can and just like yeah so i, I think they're really trying to like hope you're ready to lose again yeah yeah literally <laughs> like um yeah so uh he has definitely fucked up there have been calls from the greens and some like the general public for like an investigation because uh up until now uh, scott morrison said oh look it's being investigated adequately it's before the courts this is other stuff going on so yeah this, i happening. think this is an interesting element of it yeah and so they're, now they're like basically government ministers won't be able to use the defo suit as cover exactly like, oh, it's currently undergoing legal proceedings so, exactly yeah. I mean, they'll always find some other fucking excuse. Right, they're never going to address it. They'll be it. like, oh, yeah, I'll yeah. leave that to the proper authorities. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Um, but, like, people are being like, well, now that there isn't anything going on, are you going to fucking look into it? So, And the answer is, of course, haha, <laughs> no. <laughs> that's right. All right, that's the end of that. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that quick update, Noon. Fuck Christian Porter. Crunch, um, crunch. Now it is time to move on to our First Nations story. So I wanted to talk this week about two new reports on the stolen generations mm-hmm. that have been released in conjunction this week. So one is from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, which I will refer to as the AIHW from here on out. That's a government organization. They've released some analysis on members of the stolen generations who are over 50, uh, which is based on survey data from a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, And the other report that was released alongside this uh, AIHW report is one from uh, an organization called the Healing Foundation, and the report is called Make Healing Happen. Uh, So this is from the Healing Foundation's website. The Healing Foundation is a national Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organization that provides a platform to amplify the voices and lived experience of stolen generations, survivors, and their families. So the Make Healing Happen report is kind of, yeah, it interprets, I guess, the data from the AIHW report. Um, it has much more, many more like personal stories and also suggests possible ways to address the findings of the AIHW report. So the main headline of this new government report is that this, uh, their previous report, which was re- released in 2018, found that there were around 17,000 surviving members mm-hmm. of the Stolen Generations. Now, this report updates that number and almost doubles it wow. to 33,000. Wow. Um, yeah, which is very interesting. So uh, I've got a quote here from the chief executive of the Healing Foundation. Uh, her name is Fiona Cornworth. She basically puts it down to more people coming forward. Um, so, uh, the, yeah, this quote reads, Stolen generation survivors and link-ups have just been working so hard to ensure that people know the importance of collective healing mm. and gaining that courage more recently to speak about their, their experience. Um, and these new figures will mean that roughly a third of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander adults are descended from people yeah, who are well. members of the Stolen Generations, which is so, you know, we're... Yeah, like, you know, th- th- this is an issue that is affecting a huge, mm. huge number of Indigenous people. So the other major finding of this report, and this is not going to come as a surprise, but members of the Stolen Generation statistically lead, you know, materially much more difficult lives sure. in, in comparison uh, to the general population, but also to other Indigenous people. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. rates of long-term health problems are significantly higher, stuff like diabetes, kidney disease. 
uh, uh, mental health problems and also uh, the chances of them uh, living with a severe disability mm -hmm. are much higher. Mm -hmm. um, they're much more likely to experience discrimination, live in overcrowded housing, and uh, twice as likely to be on welfare, which is something that's like reported in, for example, the ABC article I read about this um, as like, you know, oh, there's all, all these negative things that they experience, including being twice as likely to be on welfare. Right, which, right. I don't know. There's a certain way of, in which that is framed that rubs me up the wrong way. Totally, it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, needing the help is not a bad thing in and of itself, but living under the government's punity of an insufficient welfare yes. system is an awful way to have to live. Yes. You know, but that's because of the government and that's how they've designed it. Mm, mm. Like, yeah. And, and also the mention of uh, like, you know, people having severe disabilities. Mm. I mean, I think that's interesting because it, it, it it's like this, um, you know, it, it's a recognition that, being at, at like an economic and social disadvantage massively increases the likelihood totally. that um you know uh that you will that, that people will e either be born with or acquire a disability but again it's not like you know the reason why that makes life so much worse for a lot of people is not because of the disability the itself that, it's because yeah. exactly it's it's you know the way that society conceptualizes and treats and fails to support those people totally so and as you yeah, say similar guess, thing with the the welfare it is a material difference and we can acknowledge both sides of like that isn't a bad thing but then also like it is something that we wouldn't yeah for or whatever, it, it's you know? a kind of a i don't know I, I guess it's just a nuanced thing that i sort yeah. of wanted to yeah, didn't want to let, like it does that sort of not is not teased out in the reporting course, around this stuff, yeah, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's not a particularly coherent take, but I didn't want to. No, no, I think I let think it's it pass uncommented to, upon. Yeah, to to pick up on. Yeah. So the Make Healing Happen report uh, suggests that the most urgently required response to these findings is a national reparations scheme created with and alongside the members of the Stolen Generations. So they mentioned that there are uh, several small state level mm -hmm. redress schemes which are basically patchwork and not enough um we mentioned a couple of weeks ago mm. that there's a class action happening in the northern territory um uh with uh, members of the stolen generation trying to get uh, trying to sue for reparations basically because there's no redress scheme in the northern territory mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. so there are some states and territories where there's, there's nothing, nothing whatsoever yeah um here's another quote from fiona cornworth some of these initiatives have the impact of causing more trauma within the family. And so it's really critical that it's well-designed and nationally consistent, which I think is, is yep. a really interesting point. Yep. Um, the report notes uh, that reparations should not only go to members of the stolen generations themselves, but their families, their parents and children. Um, and also that financial redress, while absolutely key mm. is not the only method mm. of uh reparations there are other suggestions that have been made include uh providing counseling assistance to return home for yeah. people which i thought was uh, a really interesting one parenting programs educational support there's kind of you know and obviously all of that is super contingent on on how it's delivered of course of and course, yeah. and, <laughs> and how accessible it's made um but you know i i i like the fact that it's expand the, mm, you know, mm. the report kind of expands the horizons beyond just financial just cash yeah um yeah and uh there was a, when I, I had a quick skim over the report um and found this 
interesting quote in the reparations section. So Tasmania is one of the states that has offered financial compensation in a very limited fashion to members of the stolen generations. And the Make Healing Happen report um, has this quote in it from the office of the Tasmanian Assessor of Applications for Financial Compensation. Bit of okay. a mouthful of a title. Sorry, just to be clear, that's the head like government bureaucrat who deals with compensation claims. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. So, uh, and there was a quote from a report that um, that they wrote, which is there were many added benefits for applicants, successful or not, flowing from the assessment process. They had the opportunity to tell their story. They had access to files and learned about their families and heritage. Some were able to make contact for the first time with siblings or parents. Cool. Counseling was available for those who needed that help. So it's interesting to me to, to sketch in some of the other possible outcomes, the other possible like positive outcomes sure, from sure. the reparations process that aren't just kind of focused around uh, just the, the money, even though obviously that is, again... Very, very crucial. Yeah, and acknowledging that the process is part of it as well as just the final decision or whatever. I think that's a really valuable thing there. And, like, I think um, that runs against, like, Western ways of thinking about the point of processes, right? But, like, that... Yeah. But part of reparations is going to be changing our, like, general public consciousness and, like... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. I mean, I mean, think about the monumental political and social change required to have something like that happen of in course. the first place. Yeah, um, but then, as you say, like you know, I mean, you can kind of it. It's a chicken egg scenario, mm. and I think you know, it. One of the arguments here is start the actual practical process, mm -hmm. and through that, the you know the necessary uh, uh, attendant will... like attitude changes will come because they have something kind of material to latch onto. Yep. Um, so, yeah, uh, look, you know, obviously it's not something that is in any way a priority for the federal government. Like I said, there's been some movement at a state level, but, you know, this report is saying it really needs to be a national thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, I think that, you know, it, it, it's the re redress for and compensation for indigenous people has to be you know almost the the absolute most important political project undertaken in this country from right. my perspective yeah. and um i think that it's always valuable to uh listen to you know indigenous organizations and people who are suggesting ways forward on this because yeah. it doesn't have to be some kind of nebulous mm, idea mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. are actual you know there, there's practical ways yeah. to exactly it, it's there it's there in black and white so yeah, I would encourage people to go and um, read a little bit into the results of this report because, you know, we mentioned at the top that, you know, almost a third of Indigenous people are descended from members of the Stolen Generations. And then when you start to read some of the personal stories about the ways in which um, being a part of the Stolen gen being stolen, like, has caused all this intergenerational trauma, you start to get a real sense for, like, how widespread the damage of this absolutely these fucking racist policies yeah, yeah. were and they only ended in the 70s right well and we're so still recent. taking more children now than we were then like exactly the, the which is a really important point the, the, yeah the format of the policy changed but the practice is continuing yeah we're, we're not removing kids and taking them to missions but right. we are removing more indigenous children from their families now than during the white australia policy yeah and like a lot of them are being given to white families and like that's a that's a cultural genocide as well as the like literal genocide that happens with that. But 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, one of the other obviously super important things aside this is like, yes, it's healing for the past, but also you need to stop. What are we doing, fucking doing right now? Yeah, perpetuating the 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 exact same yep. damage that is happening now. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah, that, that's all I, I had on that for this sure, week. Thank you for um, telling us about that horrible story. <laughs> no worries. Um, let's move on now. It was the best of takes. It was the blurst of takes. You stupid monkey. Uh, this week, I'm giving Blurst Take to a little MP, a little member of parliament, known as Peter Khalil. And, uh, people probably, if you don't live in his electorate, you probably don't really know him. Yeah. Is, I don't even know off the top of my head if he's a member of the Shadow Cabinet. I feel like he probably is, like he's fairly senior. But he's a bit of a, uh, trying to think of a less pretentious word than persona non grata he's a bit of a non-entity that's not even less pretentious he's a bit of a faceless prick yeah i I think he used (laughs) to be in council and was like his reputation was for not coming to council like that was what he was known for was not turning up (laughs) uh it's possible i'm mixing him up with someone else but I, i think that's right well one place where he loves to turn up is twitter uh and this week peter khalil mp member for wills which is uh an inner city seat in melbourne uh uh he he's been tweeting this week about job seeker uh or rather people have been tweeting him about job seeker and uh peter cool he's one of those people who just really can't help but respond yeah so yeah it's a tweets segment we're doing a tweets oh yeah um and apologies in advance to listeners of not good enough because i'm sure you're going to get double up on this and we're we're going to shout out the crew uh later in the segment anyway here's the first tweet i wanted to pull out someone tweeted at Peter Khalil, hi Peter, never mind the voting and shit, what's to stop you just saying, we believe welfare should be above the poverty line, a minimum of $80 a day? Shall I, shall Peter I read responds, Peter Khalil's part? Uh, um, well, okay, actually, before, don't read it yet. Okay. Because Tom McLean from the Not Good Enough podcast shout-outs. memed his response, shouts, shouts to the crew, shouts to Tom, Great. Uh, did a fabulous meme of this response. People might know this format. It's the the bird, a cute little bird sitting on a branch, and then the bird gets interrupted by a bigger, obnoxious bird yep. yelling over them. And, so and in noon- this case, the the bird yelling over it is yelling Peter Killell's tweet. So yes, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> so perhaps noon, I can play the uh, small bird. Yes, okay, and I'll you play can play the, loud the Peter, Peter Killell bird. bird. Yeah, great. Yeah, okay. Sure, would be nice to live above the poverty line. Hashtag in part because our multiple modeling of poverty line metrics and because assessments based on budget projections on unemployed other factors such as funding decisions on education childcare healthcare etc in a sense it is all connected costing state ahead of elections <laughs> uh, uh, if with, that sentence made no sense to you that's because it doesn't i it hope doesn't i communicated some of the typos as well as the just the words this typos the is a complete words. lack of grammar and punctuation um, like if it, if it's just such a great, it, it's such a perfect encapsulation of this. Like, the answer is because we don't care, but uh-huh. they have to have cover for that, and their mm-hmm. cover is a bunch of bullshit. Yep. And if it's like somebody has fed all of these pathetic, wet liberal responses into like a into a, an AI, like we yeah, taught, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we made a computer absorb. 100 hours of labor messaging. I taught a robot to make exactly. labor policies. But why? Yeah. 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My life is pain. Um, so that's another. Good, I'll make that meme when we finish recording. This. <laughs> uh, but that wasn't the only uh, great Peter Khalil response. Uh, part of a, a maybe not the same thread, but the same general conversation. Yeah. Someone tweeted at him: "Can Labor not simply call for a raise to job seeker to above the Henderson poverty line, and for all other payments to be raised an equal amount?" Or are Labor just cowards, willing to buddy up with coalition to punish poor people to make the establishment happy? And Peter Khalil responds: "You'll have to wait and see. Hope you are pleasantly surprised." <laughs> Amazing. Again, no punctuation. Yeah, you'll like. have to wait and see. Hope you're pleasantly surprised. Uh, and uh, many memes yes. were quickly made of this response. And let's let's blow through a couple of them here. Uh, Noon, you want to take the first? Yeah, one yeah. Here, so this is that Morgan. classic. You, uh, yeah, this is from Morgan. Shout out to Morgan for yet another uh, quality meme. Um, this is from Yu Gi Oh. It's that you know Kaiba holds up a card and then Yugi like turns a card around and Kaiba is destroyed. Um, and the, the Kaiba is holding the, I think it's Kaiba. It says a labor, just cowards willing to buddy up with the coalition to punish poor people. And then Yugi turns over the card that says, you'll have to wait and see. I hope you're pleasantly surprised. <laughs> it's fabulous. Yeah. Uh, there was also, oh yeah, the one which I uh, forgot to screen cap, but I f- believe it was from at real Dean cool on Twitter. And it was, uh, like, the labor logo and their tagline is <laughs> you will have to wait and see hope you were pleasantly surprised yep uh, uh, there's, there's the frog and scorpion one, one fucking beautiful that's this is great. that's really good i fuck who was that from i think that was from hugh great. shouts hugh yeah um uh, and yeah the it's the the score the frog says if i vote for you will you raise job seeker to 80 a day so my friends and family don't have to starve and the scorpion says you'll have to wait and see and hope you were pleasantly surprised you know it's the scorpion yep. riding on the frog's back People know that. I think so, story? yeah. People yeah. know that story, right? It's, well, it's been a meme it. for a while. You get, know your meme, Frog Scorpion. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> Do your research. Thanks, Chat Dad. Um, this is uh, Bart shaking the magic eight ball and asking, can the Greens win Wills? Which, again, is Peter Khalil's seat. And the, the magic eight ball comes up. You'll have to wait and see and hope you're pleasantly surprised. <laughs> some, some quality stuff. Thanks for the memes, everybody. Uh, and thank you for that blurst take, Peter Khalil. Uh, raise job seeker, you fucking cowards. Yeah. Now it's time for... Fashy Australia. Uh, <laughs> so, listeners and noon, perhaps you remember Dobkeeper. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps you remember Job Dobber. <laughs> or perhaps you refer to it by its traditional Latin name, the dob in a dull bludger hotline. Yeah, that is what I, uh, you know, I know I'm very pretentious, but that's the, that's the phrase that I like. <laughs> You're a stickler for tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, what you described it as back when we first covered this story, and I quote, Gestapo shit. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a hotline set up for businesses to report bludgers. People on government payments who turn down work, submit inappropriate job applications, or, God forbid, don't show up for interviews, with the possible result of having their job seeker payments suspended. So we covered this when it was first announced back in February, back in those halcyon days when the employment minister was Michaelia Cash. Remember that? Halcyon? She's now the fucking... uh... (laughs) Let's let it slide. Fine. (laughs) Yeah. She's the... uh fucking attorney general now which is amazing not a good thing. anyway but now mm. it's the 
No, not a good thing. Now it's the remit of avid internet surfer and writer of mm. terrible Jesus fanfic, Stuart Robert, yep. who you might remember from his relentless attacks on the unholy idea of disabled people getting what they need to live. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the news this week, and I know this will come to a shock as a shock to you, Noon. Mm-hmm. The hotline is a complete failure. <gasps> from SBS... Quote, on Friday, Mr. Robert revealed figures that showed 352 job seekers were under investigation after 111 employers had dubbed them in between 6th of April and 28th of May. But Senate estimates figures revealed that of the 250 people still under investigation, 59 reviews had been completed with compliance action taken against eight people. Fabulous. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Aside from everything else, Uh, those numbers clearly suggest that there are employers that are um, reporting like multiple, multiple people. people yeah, like, yeah. No, I mean, it's not suggesting that it necessarily entails it's, that's that. That's what it's that stating, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And um, I don't know. I'm sure someone has 111 bricks lying around somewhere. <laughs> um, so, but Stuart Robert is still trying to spin this as proof yeah. that, you know, people who receive welfare are degenerate scum. Mm-hmm. Here's a quote from him. Well, I am for one. So, you know, got <laughs> actually, you know what? I was going to read this quote, but noon. Yeah. Uh, I want, can you do this in your, in your best pearl clutching conservative voice for me? Uh, okay. We've got reports from restaurants in Sydney that they've received numerous inappropriate job applications and had several applicants refuse to attend job interviews. <gasps> we have also got reports of a vet in Victoria that no. has had over a dozen individuals falsely no. answer yes to, quote, are you a registered veterinarian in Australia? Wasting time, oh. which is so precious for small business owners. <laughs> so precious. Those poor business owners have had people I fraudulently answering yes to a, whether or not they're a registered veterinarian. I don't even understand where that question Amazing. comes in like what there's incredible an in- like there's, but oh, Stuart Robert be like over 12 people who applied to be vets people. said they were vets it's Incre- just yeah incredible stuff so yeah won't somebody think of the poor businesses um so yeah over of the over half a million of the so yeah over oh, fucking hell I've written a confusing sentence for myself here um, so yeah of the over a million people who have to do activities mm-hmm. to receive government payments eight have been found to be in breach by this hotline and those eight people to be clear should still get their fucking payments anyway yes you goddamn goblins and the payments they receive should be more above the poverty line to be fair to the government though people scamming welfare does cost the taxpayer yeah, and, and that's why we're spending two point five million dollars over four years on this hotline to get these because... eight people for like a couple months of welfare each. Like, yeah, we crunched least. the numbers and we decided that it's worth two two point five million dollars to just grind people on welfare into the dirt just mm-hmm. that little bit harder. Mm-hmm. One, one extra swivel of the boot heel, uh, and to be even more fair. There's literally no other way to lower the amount of unserious job applications huh, that yeah. businesses It's not receive. like the government would ever incentivize people to fill out fraudulent no. things. Because they never incentivize no. people to do things. 
they would never legally mandate applying for a ridiculous amount of jobs. That you can't... Oh, well, there's, there's no other solution. We, we just have to set up a multi-million dollar Gestapo hotline. Actually, on that <laughs> note, I do want to retract that comment because the Gestapo hotlines were busy and effective. Very effective. <laughs> I didn't write that down, but I knew, I knew, <laughs> knew, it was you, I knew you yeah. were going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad you did. Thanks. I'm glad you did. So, yeah, I mean, this is classic. I, I don't know if this is an official political analysis term, but it's, it's classic bullshit politics, right? Where the government basically, they, they live, as you said earlier, they live in this fictional world, mm, right? Mm-hmm. They've created this fictional world for themselves where poor businesses are suffering because people are just too lazy. And but then you know they go out and, and or act on are that so uh, energetically and fraudulently applying for jobs that they're just destroying <laughs> the business community. <laughs> We've received too many fake applications. We simply can't go on. But I just so, think it's you know, so funny because, like, like, like you mentioned know this vet thing beforehand. I didn't quite, I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. And it seems like people applied to be a vet, and they asked if they're a vet. They said yes. And it's like, oh, like sure, like maybe those people aren't actual vets, and technically it's fraud. But it's like that's not a very juicy type of. No, that's like, the fucking best that he could come up. Literally with. Literally, is like it the- really reminded me of you know there was that uh, uh, woman on Q and A. I think it was it was two weeks ago when they were discussing Israel Palestine, mm. and this woman in the audience like asked this question that was like, "When Hamas shot rockets at Israel, my son's dog got very scared." Like, it's, it's it literally if you if you can't come up with a stronger example, maybe you need to rethink your position. Yep, that's, that's yep. all I'm saying. Anyway, jumping back into my yes, pre pre written analysis here. Like I said, bullshit politics, fictional world, government acts on the fiction. And then, yes, you get these kind of pathetic material outcomes where only eight people have mm-hmm. been fucking found in breach by this multi-million dollar uh, you know, bullshit campaign mm. because it was never a real thing yeah. to begin with. Yeah. Like, but, you know, the, the, the material outcomes aren't really the point. It's the propaganda, the propaganda around it. You know, the... The, the mythical figure of the dull bludger is, is is reinforced in the public imagination, in the discourse. You know, we're here fucking talking about it. And it's like... Yeah. And obviously, it's going to get much less critical coverage. Of course, in, in the Herald in, Sun. You know, in the mer- yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and, but, and, and even just, you know, even if, like, people don't read the details of what the outcomes were, it's still this, like, oh, we're being tough on, on dull bludgers, on people who won't take up a job... As if, like, yeah, the, the recession is fucking due to people not wanting to work. Yeah, I'd right. much rather live on poverty payments that not even the fucking opposition will commit to raising. I but mean, also, the state of politics in this fucking country but, is but just also, so outrageously pathetic. I know I just made this point, but I want to make it again. Yeah, they're too lazy to get jobs. They don't want to work. They're dull bludgers, but then they're also just trying to get jobs, right? Like, the dull bludger hotline is also for people who are trying too hard to get jobs. Like, there's no... Yep. Yeah, it just... Or just doing literally what the government told them yeah, in order to right. keep their right. welfare payments coming through. Like, you just can't win with these fucking people. You know, if you're poor, you're you're, you're fucked. I mean, yep. that's the moral of the story, yep. isn't it? Well, that's probably enough on that story. Uh, and next, we were going to have a conversation about pride, cops, corpse, and kink. 
but that conversation went for an hour on its own. So uh, we're going to release that as a bonus episode this month. Um, and uh, we'll, But we'll uh, end this regular weekly episode of Ozpol Snackpot here. Uh, and now that we've come to the end of our news... If you want a podcast, you gotta do a lot of shit. That's not technically podcasting. You still gotta do that shit. It's the business section. Uh, yes, we started a podcast not because we like promoting ourselves or telling people to like and subscribe, but unfortunately... We gotta do that. Uh, you gotta do that shit. Yeah. Uh, so, you uh, know. Please leave us reviews. They're a really easy way for you to help us... Uh, we like them. We read out reviews when we get them. Um, yeah. Yeah, we love them. You leave them over on uh, Apple Podcasts. And we actually have a new review this week, um, and it's from uh, Pef on Apple Podcasts. Um, <laughs> and they said, uh, Best Ozpol News and Memes, Lamau. Five stars. I've only been listening to you guys for two months, but now so look forward to every Monday morning walk while I, uh, I take whilst listening to you dissect Ozpol. Thank you for giving us the news we didn't know existed slash don't have time to find because of how the media is produced here. Sad vibes. Appreciate the hard work you guys put into making this. Thanks so, 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 so much, guys. Thank you so much, Pef. That's so lovely, and it's really <laughs> nice that you, you see the work we put in, and I'm so glad that you uh, enjoy us on your morning walks. So, thank you. That's really sweet. Thank you so much. Uh, the other helpful thing you can do is hit the follow button on Spotify. It's going to help our metrics. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, share us with a pal. If, commenting uh, on our posts think... on social media just like being like wow i listened to this episode and it was great we we love that uh you can do that over on facebook ospol snack pod twitter ospol snack pod instagram ospol snack pod and of course if you really like what we do and you want to support us financially you can head, head over to patreon.com slash ospol snack pod and support us for as little as one us one for as little any as type of dollar <laughs> one regular dollar a month uh, and where this month's bonus episode, as I mentioned, is going to be uh, a dissection of uh, the Pride protest cops, corporations, and kink conversations that have been mm -hmm. happening all over our timelines for the last the little while. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cool. Now it's time for a pop game. So what's Dante been, been doing this week, Zach? Uh, oh, well, it's an easy one this week because we're working on a new trick. Mm, uh, nice. I'm teaching him... Uh, well, initially, so I I asked Holly, like, do you have any ideas for tricks? And she was like, I've seen some dogs uh, salute online, which is pretty I was going to say... <laughs> so, keep, keep telling your story. That's fine. I'll, I'll get there. And, uh, and I was like, okay, I'll look into it. And then one... There, I watched one video on it which suggested putting a piece of sticky tape on your dog's head and every time they, they try, try to swipe and, it off, yeah. like, treat them. And I was like, I, look, I don't know if I really I tried that with Bagel that to make him touch his nose, and he just became terrified of the sound of the uh, sticky tape dispenser. <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, that's training in practice, just yeah, not the training serious. that you were going for. <laughs> no, yeah. but he fucking learned something. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I, like, looked into it, and uh, and I was like, okay, like, it's a bit militaristic, but fuck it. Because I... <laughs> Holly was like, maybe you don't want to teach him that because I know you didn't want to teach him to play dead, which is, you know, obviously you shoot. You're right, like, right. The, the dog responds to the command, bang, and you pointing a gun at them. And then they lie down. And, yeah. Um, yeah, because I'm a fucking bleeding heart vegan, I was like, I don't want to 
play that game with my dog. So I told him to go to sleep instead, which I think mm-hmm. was cute. Uh, similarly, instead of having him salute, um, I'm just trying to teach him to wave back to me when I uh, when I wave at him and say, "Hey, man." Yeah, uh, it's good. You sent a little good you'd... video through. If you're in the <laughs> if you're a patron and on the Discord, you you will have. Um... Yes, that video. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I mean, it actually, you think it looks like Hal Hitler? That's it what reassures me, me that it was originally a salute that you have like reclaimed on some level. Because I, my first thought was like, "Oh, cool, Zach's teaching Dante to hail Hitler." Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, look, so that's that's to be good. Fair, it's pretty hard for a dog that to put their arms straight up. In the air, you know, yeah. it's going to be at an angle. I'll just, I'll just mention that, like, Zach is currently doing the things <laughs> he's describing with his hands. Uh, I believe this one is called the Laura Luma. Um, the Roman salute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was fucking yeah, listening to I'm teaching to Dante it. to Roman salute. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to Behind the Bastards uh, about Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister of India, and, like, hardcore nazi um and he was uh, part of this uh group the bpp is that right oh anyway they uh, they have a um a salute that they were like it's definitely nazi-ish like it's not a nazi salute but when you see it it's like pretty nazi and like yeah if you google it you'll uh yeah it's like the hindutva salute or something it's called oh that's not good yeah it's pretty Nazi-ish, like the BJP, BJP salute. Sorry, BJP. Yeah. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, I would teach Dante to do that one next. Put his put his paw across his chest. Anyway, uh, my my bagel update um, is that you know it's been very chilly. I live in a shed. He's been a very snuggly boy recently, and and he keeps getting stuck inside my Duna case. Um, and I don't understand how, because the, it's like, you know, button shut and he manages to get through the buttons, but not back out again. And I, I really worry. I think that's like the, the main way that he might injure himself when he's in my room unsupervised is by like trying to get up when he's in wrapped in a blanket and, and for, so yeah, last night he tried to get up for a drink and like, I could feel the whole blanket like pulling away. And I was like, no, 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 I'll just wait a second. Like I had to like pull him down while I like unbuttoned him and let him escape. Yeah. Oh, geez. It was pretty adorable, but not ideal. That's, that's real classic bagel. It is classic bagel shit right there. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, we'll catch you next week. Uh, and maybe before then actually, yeah, with this bonus episode about, uh, cops, corporations and kink at pride. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Keep on snacking in the free world. Um, fuck, uh, Liberty Works. Crunch, crunch. (laughs) Nice.